Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about when your kid is the odd man out. So there's something inherent about children. They seem to pick up on the smallest nuances of a person, and then they avoid anybody with any incongruencies for the rest of their life. So my little lady who has reactive attachment, oppositional defiance disorder, and some pretty intense ADHD is the sweetest friend on the planet. She doesn't care about deformities. She doesn't care about shyness. She doesn't care about those things that young children typically get nervous about. She's six years old. She's very brave. And she's open to being friends with anybody. And she's outgoing to the point that it is actually a safety issue. (laughs) But regardless as to how good a friend she is, one of a few things always happens. Number one, the other kids sense her desperation to have a friend and they just shut off towards her. Number two, she overwhelms them with her intensity. And number three, they're friends with her and then they see her melt down and then they get scared of her because she has a lot of emotional regulation issues. So she just can't keep a friend no matter how hard she tries. So I also have a child who has a hearing impairment. And when he was little, the other kids just couldn't handle him for some reason. He didn't understand personal space. He had a hard time like focusing on what people were saying. So he'd get right in their face to try and just like take it all in. And he was really desperate for a friend. So that was apparently the perfect combination for kids not to like him. So he's older now and he fluctuates between super, super shy and super hyper. So he has three or four really good friends at school and he's okay. But as someone who always had friends everywhere, I don't really understand. I don't know what to do. I, I, they don't have the same personalities as me. And, and I just, my heart breaks when it doesn't seem as great because the older of these two kids will wait for someone to find him, which breaks my heart. And then the younger one will shove herself into groups that don't want to play with her. And that breaks my heart. But it is hard to be the parent of a kid that no one wants to play with. You know how amazing they are. You know how funny they can be. You know that they would make a really good friend. But the other kids don't seem to see it. When you have a child with intense behaviors, everything else intensifies with it. I have, I've always had this overly sensitive drive to have my kids not be the annoying kid in the group, which is funny because I'm pretty sure that I was the most annoying one (laughs) in my group. Though I thought I might, that might be why I'm so protective. Because I didn't want them to be judged the way that I was judged. So instead, they're probably now judged in a completely different way. Because parenting is imperfect that way. So with my first three kids, I could keep order. When someone was bossy, I shut it down. When someone hit someone else, shut it down. When someone was being rude or getting offended over something small or not including somebody else, shut it down. And then I got little lady and whoa, 
there was no catching up with her behaviors. Her intense ADHD had her rolling faster than I could catch up. So for example, she would be bossing at the park. And while I am calling her name so that I can address that she's bossing, because you can see everyone's getting mad at her, she is already running over to the rope web and she's climbing to the top. And then after I call her name like five times, I'd go up to her and so I could look her in the eyes and have a conversation and talk to her about how it's not okay to be bossy because, you know, it started this little fight between these little girls. She would have no idea what I was talking about because mentally she had moved on. Like, mom, it's been 15 seconds. Like, I'm already over here. What are you talking about? (laughs) And then when I would notice that she didn't know what I was talking about and it wasn't computing, I would say that she needed to listen to me again. And I would say, you need to come when I call you. It was not right for you to ignore what I was saying. And in her mind, she's like, what are you talking about? I am talking to you right now. Like it, and the day would just go on like that where she couldn't process what was in the past with what was happening now. And I couldn't get her the lessons that I had so, so very much prided myself in doing. I couldn't get it with her. I couldn't control her the way that I had wanted to. And I hear it when I say it, but I wanted to protect her from all the mean comments and all of the parent stares. And I couldn't. She didn't have enough bandwidth in her to keep up with all of the instruction that was necessary in order to control her impulsivity. She had too much energy to do anything about the problems. So instead, I just became the mom of the hard kid who nobody wanted to share the part with, you know, so I'm like, okay, this is a gigantic blow to my pride, but nothing compared to what it must feel like to be the kid in that situation. So when I think back to why I tried to control my children so much like at the park or at church or make sure they were good at school, I remember what it was like for me when I was little. I was hyper. I was not terribly hyper. Like I know little lady like surpasses me (laughs) in hyperactivity, but I was definitely hyper. I couldn't sit still. I had a sister who was more hyper than me, so I'm not sure how much was noticed. But when I was in class or with my group of friends, I was constantly being scolded over and over by my teacher or my classmates or my friends about how annoying I was and how I should do better and all of those things. And I remember disapproving look after disapproving look everywhere that I went. And I remember having to sit in the hall at church because the teacher couldn't handle me in class anymore. And I remember the same thing at school. And sometimes I'm amazed that I passed any of my classes because of the amount of time I spent in that hallway with my back against the green tile that lined those walls. I didn't want that for my kids. So in my attempts to help them, I probably just messed them up in a whole brand new way. But when it came to my youngest, there was nothing I could do. No matter how hard I tried, I could not keep up. I was the mom of the kid who pushed. I was the mom of the kid who bossed. I was the mom of the kid who was super intense and tried to take over every individual that she saw at the park and tried to make them do what she wanted. 
And that meant I was the bad mom to all of those people who were looking at me from their perspective benches surrounding the park. So it was a hard mental battle for me for a while. I really had to squelch this issue, but I couldn't and I needed to come to grips with that. So my kid had no friends. And my biggest issue now was to make sure that my children know that they're important, whether the kids like them or not. And this is a terrible game to play because my kids are smart and they know when they're being coddled and they know when they're being artificially built up and they are skeptical even when it's not artificial, (laughs) whether their mother is saying the words to be authentic or just to cushion reality, right? So I need them to find value in themselves, whether or not anybody else validates that. And I needed them to have a skill that they were proud of. Now I'm still in the middle of all this and I have yet to learn if I am just ruining them again, but I feel strongly that a firm self-worth is critical for each child, no matter what primary or secondary issues they have in their lives. I want to build them up from the inside. And I have a range of children who have a range of acceptance to this idea. I have one kid when I'm like, oh, you're great job. You did so good. And he's like, yeah, I always do good. (laughs) And then I have another one where I'm like, great job. And he's like, I never do anything right. And I can't seem to convince him that he ever does anything right, no matter how hard I try to tell him so, no matter how truthful and authentic I am being, it's really hard for him to believe anything that I say. So how do we build up our children without overinflating their ego whilst also being sincere? So my answer to this is that we fail a lot. We try one thing. If that doesn't work, then we try another and then we try another and we just keep going. But we always keep our mind on the goal that what they need to know is that they are capable, that they have a value just in the things that they bring to the table. So when my kids were little, I would talk about interpersonal skills, you know, personal bubbles and people need space and volume levels and not to be bossy and to understand to take turns and all of those things. And I would try to teach them the skills that they need But as they get older, I focus more on their abilities and the good parts. And what I mean is when they do something wrong, which they do, they get reminded of their negative parts. So I try at other times to compliment their good parts. So I try to encourage their skills, even if they're odd, which sometimes they are. I try to encourage their interests, even if they are odd (laughs) which they are sometimes. I try to set boundaries so they don't become a hermit to their hobbies. I do not grant them unlimited access to the internet because myself, I believe that the last thing I need is for somebody on the internet to take my vulnerable child and try to decide what their self-worth is. I would selfishly like to be more in control of that. I know as they get older, I need to let them out into the world. But there's just so many mean people. I mean, people are so rude that I'd like them to have a more core sense of self before I release them out. 
So another thing that I do is I try to relax when we are out in public and I try to let situations just happen. So I'm trying to let my kids learn from their interactions and I'll be there. I'll have my arms wide open and a mouth filled with a kind word or a mean one about a mean kid if that's what they need. I try to be there for them, but I this is really hard for me because because I'm I hate watching the pain part happen when I feel like I could have stopped it. But of course, there are so many lessons that come with those pain parts. But I try to put away my worry because kids can feel when we're nervous. And if I can keep myself calm, then they're going to be able to keep themselves calm and be in a place of calm. So another thing I do is I plan a lot of family activities. We do tennis, we do pickleball, we take trips to the lake. We go and do things that are fun and adventurous so that they know fun and adventure can exist without reliance upon the little people at the park or those others who just don't seem to match with the the personalities of my children. We've become really family oriented. And honestly, even though it is not easy, it has been so rewarding. One of my favorite things is to look back and think of all the things we do together. Now, I don't think we do tons and tons of things, but I do think we do a decent amount. So I another thing I like about it is that I get to decide what works for my difficult kid. So when my little one is too dangerous around water, we go to open land or we go to a place where she can be safe in a life jacket because sometimes her decision-making skills are really bad. But you get a pick and you get to be in charge. And one of my favorite things to do is go for a drive and put a book on tape in or CD or whatever it is to have a book playing for my kids to listen to. And we have a bird refuge that is fairly close to our house. I mean, within an hour. And there's a walkway there and you can see every part of the walkway from every part of the walkway. So they're allowed to roam. And if if they drops off, there's water on the sides of the path. But if they fall in, they're like, even the shortest one, it's like up to her knees. So it's not like a terribly dangerous place for her, which is lovely. She can feel freedom, like she gets to have adventure. And yet we get a good viewpoint. She's quite safe. But you can find a place that fits your family and you can make it your own and you can rotate. If kids hate one thing and another thing, you can be like, ah, we'll do your thing next time. My kids even love those places, those recreation places that have like trampolines or bowling or foam pits and stuff. So we spend time as a family. Now, it's mostly me because my husband's quite busy. But we don't even have to leave our house. One of our favorite games, we don't play as much now that my kids are getting bigger, but we did a lot, is we have a hill in our front yard and my kids would climb the hill like zombies and I would push them down the hill. And our hill, because it's in the front yard, (laughs) this game has caused many a car to stop in disapproval for just a few moments. But then they see my kids are laughing their heads off and they love it. So do I wish my kids had more friends? Absolutely. 
We live in a neighborhood with a lot of empty nesters. There's not a lot of kids in our neighborhood and we live fairly far away from my kids' school. So there's really few kids for my kids to deal with, even if there aren't awkward situations. But am I thankful that I get the time to spend with my kids? Absolutely, yes. Even the hard ones. I am so appreciative to be able to look back at these memories and have these good memories. And when you have the pictures pop up and and they're the the good adventure pictures, it calms my soul. I love it. Even if it had been a really hard day that day, or even if it took a lot of effort to get it together, being able to do that was absolutely wonderful for my mental health, for my kids' mental health, for even their education. It was just so great because when our kids are adults, there is a more than likely chance that the only connection they're going to have to their friends right now is a link on social media. But who they are on the inside and the connection that they have with their family, more than not, is going to last a lot longer. So don't forget that when you're seeing that your child isn't bonding with the other kids at school or at the park or at church, you can still provide a great environment for them to grow up with to grow up in and that they can be a put together grown up. So don't lose hope because good can come from all angles and it's okay that it makes you sad because it's not always going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. We're always going to have parts that are bad, but that doesn't mean we can't have parts that are good. And maybe with a little more self-confidence and a little more experience, they'll find that niche and the pieces of who they are will come together and they'll end up having a really great life. So the next time you're sitting at the park or you're sitting in a teacher meeting and you're realizing just how difficult it is for your child in some of these social situations, don't forget that that's not the whole of who they are. Don't forget that there's not a potential for change in the future. And don't forget that you as a parent have the ability to have an influence for good in these children's lives, even if they exhaust you, even if it's hard. Because I think the biggest secret to parenthood is that it is the hardest thing in the world and it's absolutely worth it. Thank you for joining me.